Welcome back, everyone, to the special edition of the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. Not special because of anything content-wise. This is your normal weekend recap. However, special because this episode is taking place from our mom's houses. So, yes. What's the, you know, that's uh, for some reason the song My House by Flo Rida's going through my <laughs> brain, but instead of My it's House, good. it's. Welcome to Mom's mm-hmm. House. Yes, I like that a lot. So straight from Mom's Basements here for me and Dom. Um, you can see the white woman decor mm-hmm. in the background. Dominic's still rocking the the MMA decor. Yes. Like he's a college student hanging up posters in his dorm room. Damn right. Um, <laughs> uh, Dominic, we just had a very interesting weekend of fights Capped off by an amazing UFC fight card, one that tied for the most KOTKOs on a single card in UFC history. And then kind of before that, we had a PFL card where it started out great, but it kind yeah. of kind yes. of crash landed by the end there. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on this MMA weekend as a whole, is it overall positive or or is it a bit negative when you consider all the factors? Uh, I think the positives still outweigh the negatives, and really that's large in part due to last night's UFC fight night card in Austin, Texas, because it was absolutely crazy. When you're feeling a fight hangover after a fight night, you know it was a good weekend mm-hmm. of fights. You know what I mean? It's one thing when the pay-per-views happened like last week for 275, uh, but this one did really kept that momentum and went right into it again. So it was an awesome weekend of fights. PFL again, good and bad. We're going to cover all of that, obviously. UFC, I don't know if there was anything bad last night. It was just such an amazing card. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's weekends like this. Really, back-to-back weekends. Why I just love this sport so much, Noah. You literally text that in our group <laughs> chat. You just, at the end of the main event, as soon as the, the bell rung and the, the main event was over, Dominic just texts, I love MMA. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but also, this is a special episode because we're recording this on Father's Day, Dom. Uh, very true. Uh, me and you do not fit the bill, but... Uh, we do have a couple of dads in our lives that deserve a lot of love and respect. Uh, Big yes. Dave, Big Dave, I'm sure will be rocking some sleeveless tee yes. with yep. some slides. You know him uh, so well. That is literally what he's going to be wearing. <laughs> Jim Shorts. He'll probably have those. Uh, I don't know what type of sunglasses he wears, but he wears like it's, I think they're like white, and they have like a the lens are like. Um, I don't know what you would call that. They're like a multicolored lens. Yes, you are spot on right now. Are you sure you're not living here when I'm not? (laughs) I know him so well. True, true. So, uh, Dominic, what are your plans today for the big Father's Day? I guess I'll just throw out there. I have two fathers. No, not not in that way. Um, I I got the the main squeeze, Big Todd, and then uh, my stepfather, Rob. Shout out to them. today but uh what dominic what plans do you have for the big father's day uh we're gonna be doing some gifts i think when we're done off this recording we're doing an early morning recording two weeks in a row i love that but we're gonna do that we're gonna have a little pool shindig some family coming over we're gonna have dad's on a kick right now i think he's found his favorite thing to do on his griddle outside street tacos for the second time yeah Yeah. second time in two weeks three times this summer i think he found his niche so we're doing that awesome awesome yeah that should be fun uh i am taking my dad to none other than bob evans when we get done here oh oh um my grandma 
his his mother is going with us uh, a great woman an elder but she is an elderly woman and you know something about elderly people is they don't love loud noises so mm-hmm. uh we were originally going to go to roosters you know the classic midwest wing joint that you know those of you anywhere else in the country may never have heard of best wings in the world but mm-hmm. um since she is going we're going to a more you know, a place that she can actually hear us and not get aggravated. So Bob Evans, it is my dad's choice. Uh, so I'll be meeting him there mm. when we get done here. Bob Evans uh, on a Sunday, man, it just hits a little bit. Yeah. Different. We're trying to beat the post church crowd plus yeah. beating the father's day crowd. It's going to be, you know, going out to eat on father's day on any of these type of holidays. It's yeah, it's a bloodbath, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> literally but but we're gonna make it work um so shout out to all the fathers out there if you're watching this show and you are a father that's right um, shout out to you hope everybody has a great father's day even though i guess we're releasing this episode the day after but true um with that being said dominic i do want to give you a chance to plug our social media before we hop right into today's episode yeah, of course. So if you can see our pretty faces, that means you're watching on YouTube. Be sure to drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel. Ring the bell. You'll never miss an episode if you do it that way. If you're listening on audio, follow us there. Uh, give us a rating if you can. It helps boost the algorithms and boost the podcast up the charts. For social media, look above my head at BAJ underscore MMA podcast for Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And lastly, for us personally, you can find me at Deasley14. You can find Noah at NT Baker underscore. Let's get into it. Let's do it. So let's start with the main event for UFC Austin from the Moody Center. This is, of course, the new arena that uh, University of Texas. Why yeah. Have, but yeah, it's University of Texas um, has put in horns up. Yeah. Is that what they say? Is it horns up? Horns up, I think. Yeah, yeah. God, I'm like, I need to freshen up on my Texas knowledge, I guess. They just Insert Matthew relevant. McConaughey here. Oh, oh. <laughs> I haven't been relevant in college football in a long time. So, <laughs> anyway, sorry about that. UFC Austin. Yes. <laughs> we saw Josh Emmett rise to the occasion. He gets the split decision victory. This main event does go all five rounds over Calvin Cater. The biggest win of his career, Dominic. I'm going to give you a chance here to give your thoughts on the fight. Anything that kind of jumped out at you as you were watching with anything that was good or bad or in between about the fight. And uh, maybe to get the discussion rolling, I will ask you how you scored the fight personally, a very close encounter, obviously no robberies here, but uh, at 48, 47, no matter which way you had, uh, had it seemed to be the, the theme for most journalists. Yep. And of course the three judges themselves. So just, you know, I'll open the floor to you. Yeah, I remember um, going into the championship rounds, round four, I actually had Emmett 3-0. So for me, it did come down 3-2, Josh Emmett. Um, I think he did get the win. And, man, I'm just going to be honest. Like, while I expected a fun fight and it did play out, you know, on the feet, I think a lot of people expected that. I didn't expect Josh Emmett to hold up so well with Calvin Cater's volume as the fight went on. And, yes, while I scored four and five for Cater – it wasn't like landslides. Like, round five was still really close. Round four is the most decisive for Cater, for sure. But, dude, like, Emmett was right there the whole time. He was doing so much more than just 
the one punch power looking for a knockout. He was putting together combinations. His shots just seemed to be doing a tad bit more damage, at least uh, in terms of the impact. We know that Cater dealt damage uh, visibly to Emmett's face, and he's done that a lot lately True. in his fight. So it was just such an amazing fight. Calvin Cater has went the distance, Noah, four straight times in 25-minute fights. The octagon time is just racking up for him. And uh, for Emmett to be able to stand in there for 25 minutes and do it against someone who's so experienced in it now, it was awesome. It was a great fight. Going from last week's fight of the year contender, this one now joins the short list of them. It was amazing. Everything you could have wanted from those two guys, I feel like, was what we got. I'm surprised that we're in agreement on the scorecards. I actually had it the same way, 48-47, Josh Emmett. Um, Again, no robbery here. Just, you know, figured we'd just put it it out there, kind of how we scored it. There was a lot of people who scored it for Calvin Cater. There was a lot of controversy about... Uh, especially one of the three judges' scorecards, uh, Chris Lee, a personal favorite. This is the guy who scored uh, Paul Felder, the winner of his fight with Rafael Dos Anjos. Just, yeah. I mean, I don't even know what's going on there. Yeah. But um, he gave the fourth round to Josh Emmett, which, like, when you put the, when you put it in that perspective, like, you just feel kind of like I like why did like I felt so great about the main event. And then it's like two minutes later, I see the scorecards, and it just like brings me down a little mm-hmm. bit, just a little bit, because I'm just like, man, that fourth round you couldn't score for Josh Emmett. So yeah. you're telling me if that had been flipped, then all of a sudden Cater's the winner. Like it just, I don't know. It, I, I hate when that shit happens, but I'm not even going to talk about it because I feel like it's such a boring conversation to have anymore. Like the judges are gonna suck. Yeah, we just have to get over it. And <laughs> I mean, people, people want a solution. Good. I you be my guest. Give yeah. me a solution. I ain't got one. Please. Yeah. So until then, I think a lot of the ju- I think we've had our fill about judging. We just have to live with it. Yeah. yeah. Um. As for the main event, because there's a lot to talk about here that actually is interesting and is important. Josh Emmett. I mean, biggest one of his career. Dominic, I got to say, I was so impressed, and I, I was prepared to say this when when because this fight really did play out like exactly how I thought it would. I thought Cater might have more volume. Mm. I think he, I think he, he, he definitely picked up in the later rounds. Yeah, but it seemed early. The difference maker, at least in our opinion, was Emmett just was landing just as many shots as Cater, but had much more power yep. behind those shots. So once Cater picked up his volume in the later rounds, it started to accumulate an effect on Emmett's face. But um, just too little too late, I guess, at that point, once you lose the first three rounds, in our opinion. However, um, for Josh Emmett, I was very impressed with his performance. He called for a title shot. He called for the winner of Max Volkanovsky. And I'm prepared to give it to him, Dom. I know that there is a pretty important main event Coming up, UFC Long Island, Yair mm-hmm. Rodriguez, Brian Ortega. Those are two guys that I could see the UFC <clears throat> favoring to give a title fight to just because they might have the, the kind of style of fight that... I mean, John Shemmett's a very exciting fighter, but it just seems like name value-wise, those two guys are... Just, Ortega especially, but Yair even might be a little bit higher. Yeah. But I, I can't say that it would be... Like, 
a travesty if he didn't get a title fight off this, but I do think I, it warrants one. I think this kind of performance against this kind of fighter and Calvin Cater, he rose to the occasion. He showed that he could do it for five rounds. We already knew he has the one-punch power, probably the biggest power punch in the division. I think it's an interesting fight. It's a matchup that is fresh for either man who wins that title fight come yep. July. Um, obviously, maybe I might change my mind once the title fight takes place. If Max wins a close decision, we got to do a fourth fight. <laughs> if if Yair or Brian uh, starts the other, all of a sudden they're like looking real pretty, you know. And I'm going to be doing that meme where I'm like got my arm around uh, Emmett, but I'm looking behind a pretty old T City or Yair, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I want to get your thoughts on that. Do you feel, when you walk away from this main event, did it feel like, you know what, Emmett does deserve a title fight? Or is it a bit like, well, maybe he's ready for a title eliminator? Yeah, I'm all for him getting a title fight. I mean, this is five wins in a row. It's a fresh matchup. He's doing it, you know, against good guys now in this division. I think a win over Calvin Cater says a lot about how good you are at featherweight right now. Um, and it, it, so really for him to get it, I think it does just come down to the scenarios. So it's like, well, if Volkanovsky wins and Ortega wins or, you know, he might be a shoe in because they, we've already seen that fight less than a year ago. But, you know, if Holloway wins and Yair wins, that's another good scenario for Josh Emmett because those two have already fought each other. So like there's just so many moving pieces that I think there's a way for Emmett to slide in there without having. Um, another fight, I get this feeling that he will have to probably mm. still fight one more time. But if he were to get the title shot um, for the winner in July, I'd be all for it. I mean, again, 37 years old. He's never been there before. What's the trouble in getting him to it now? He's on the biggest win streak out of all those guys, regardless right. of the name value. So if you want to do it off of that, then he does deserve it. So It feels like it's now or never for yeah. Josh Emmett. And again, this fight. Part of me is kind of happy he won, and it's not because of any sort of um, favoritism I have towards him over uh, Calvin Cater. I love both guys, obviously. I think so much respect for both of them and for what they bring to the Octagon each time out. But I feel like Calvin Cater has so much left after this fight that it, like, you know, it's a small setback, but mm -hmm. he, he'll be back. For Josh Emmett, though, it really felt like. If he didn't get this nod, then he was never going to be in a title fight. Yeah. And for me, it's just kind of capitalizing on what you have right now. Now, again, a lot could change a couple weeks from now. That title fight takes place. Who knows what happens? Who knows what's going to catch our interest after that, after UFC Long Island? But I want to try to open it up now and stand firm that I, I would love to see Josh Emmett get that title fight. I think he's earned it. Yeah. Um, you've seen him win fights every which way. He's been able to knock people out cold like Michael Johnson. He's went into wars with Shane Burgos where he didn't come out the same. And also he had an affair like this, which was a bit of a technical war, uh, but showed that it's, he's not just a brute. You know, he does carry a lot of precision behind his strikes. Yes. Um, I guess... I like kind of lost my train of thought there, so I was trying to get it back. But uh, we can we can talk about Calvin Cater for a second while I try to gain back whatever what it were... was that was <laughs> yeah. in my brain. Um, for Calvin Cater, tough loss, right? You know, you you come so close. So some people think you win, you won the fight, you did enough. Um, 
come up short, coming off the heels of what was a huge, big comeback for him to start the year against Giga Chikadze. Uh, if you're Calvin Cater, where do you go from here? What kind of matchup do you look to get next? Uh, considering, by all accounts, I mean, he's still a guy that feels like he should be up there for comeback fighter of the year this year. Like, just mm-hmm. that Max defeat was just. I mean, you don't get a much more demoralizing loss than that yeah. one. Yeah. And to bounce back the way he did against Chikadze was great. He comes up just a little bit short here. This shouldn't set him back too far, but like, should he look to go back a little bit and rebuild himself just a bit, take a bit of a slower approach to getting back in the title hunt? Well, I saw a call out last night on Twitter, no, and I really liked it. And it was the 16 and 0 number 10 ranked Movzar Evloev that know. called out Calvin Cater. I think that's a good fight. I think it is that step back, but not too far because Movzar is just that damn good after his last <laughs> performance. Uh, but I think that makes sense. Just give Calvin a step back. He has been fighting all of these top guys right now within the top 10. So just one little step out because that's kind of where he is now anyway. If he is going to lose to number seven, he's going to bump back there. So what's the shame in fighting an undefeated number 10 fighter? If you stop that hype train, you're right back in the contender status again after one win. So I really like that call out, and I'm going to stick with it, and I really like that for what could be next for both guys. That's a dangerous fight, too, for Calvin. You know, we haven't – I mean, he's done a really good job in his UFC career of staying on his feet. Yeah. But I don't know if he's really fought the kind of wrestler that Movzar is. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that would be a great test. I kind of remembered what I was going to say now <laughs> after my very awkwardly long pause. Um, but I'll actually just double down and agree with you on Calvin Cater. What, what I I could totally see, depending on what happens with Yair Ortega, the loser of that fight, yeah. and Calvin Cater getting matched up. Yeah, I just don't know if that's what I w- would prefer. Like, Don't get me wrong. If it got announced, that's a bigger fight, right? You know? Mm-hmm. You, but I just, part of me just thinks that, you know, Calvin still could really make something of himself in this Oh, division. I think so, yeah. Um, I just worry that if he loses to another top-ranked guy. It makes it hard. Know, it makes it a little harder because then once you climb your way back, all of a sudden you have a lot of rematches you have to try to yeah. convince people to take. And easier said than done. Right, exactly. Now back to Josh Emmett for a second. I saw Ariel Hawani among them, but a few people throwing out the idea that he would get a title eliminator bout with Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen, nine-fight win streak, hmm. has the biggest win streak in the division, I believe, outside of Volkanovski, I guess. so. Yeah. Um, Arnold Allen, we haven't really heard much from him since what was a fantastic, one of the top performances of the year at UFC London against Dan Hooker. But uh, what do you think of that as a potential title eliminator matchup? Does it feel like two guys who are both kind of stuck on the outside looking in, so it's not really a proper uh, title eliminator, or is that the kind of fight that we should be clamoring for? You know, I like that fight better than the one that uh, Arnold's been calling for in Korean Zombie. I mm. like him and Emmett I forgot a lot he has better. been calling for that, yeah. Um, I just think there's much more implications on that one. It's a five-fight win streak versus a nine-fight win streak, a seasoned veteran versus still a super young guy in Allen. Uh, even though their records are actually insanely similar, Josh Emmett just has one more fight. I think that would be – if Emmett's not going to get a title fight, I see nothing wrong in that. And I don't care what numbers say next to their names because it would take it would probably be four versus six. 
that honestly to me would feel like more of a number one contender fight than Ortega Rodriguez simply because those two have already fought the two guys fighting for the yeah. title, if that makes sense. So, yeah, a, a part of me wants to see like, and this is a whole lot of, you know, if you don't give Emmett a title fight right away, or if you don't give the winner of, uh, Rodriguez Ortega title fight right away. Like, let's say there's a gap in time. Maybe Volkanovski wins, but then he goes up to lightweight or something. Who knows? Part of me almost wants to see Arnold Allen and Josh Emmett take on two of these guys that have been up there for a while. Almost like you see Josh Emmett take on the winner of um, Rodriguez Ortega while uh, Arnold Allen take on maybe if Max were to lose that title fight, maybe he takes on Max. Um, and that way you have a chance of building two like fresh title contenders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you also risk losing two fresh title contenders. Very true. So, um, you either place them against one another and then, you know, for sure one guy's going to come out looking like the fresh squeeze or you take a chance with, uh, both of them, putting them in separate matchups and chance them both losing. But, uh, yeah. It's a it's an embarrassment of riches in this division. So I really don't think that there's a wrong. I don't think there's a wrong way to go here. And that's a great problem to have. In yeah, you know it is because like, of course I I'm trying to you know side with Josh Emmett, but I'm not going to act like the the winner of Rodriguez Ortega. I'm not going to be excited for if he gets a title fight. Exactly. Just, yeah. And same with like an Arnold Allen. If Arnold Allen gets a title fight, I wouldn't even be upset. Yeah. We'll talk about this fight a little bit more maybe when we get into the betting side of things. But, Dominic, let's talk about our co-main event. And I guess this would be a good time to mention that we did lose our original co-main event for this card. That's true. For the second time in as many months, Donald Cerrone versus Joe Lozon falls off at the last second. First time around, Donald Cerrone getting like uh, some sort of food poisoning maybe yeah. from some street tacos. I don't know what... Hopefully, Uh-oh. yeah. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully your fate is a little better. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then here with Lozon, it was reported he missed the ceremonial weigh-ins, and it was reported that he was having cramps. Yeah. Uh, turns out that's not true. Um, apparently, the UFC put that out there just to kind of protect him because what really happened was he just had this kind of freak injury occur yeah. after his weigh-in. He goes to put his socks on, and his knee completely locks up on him, and that's, he couldn't move it, couldn't walk crazy. on it, couldn't bend it. So he basically had to hop on one of his uh, partner's backs to get out of there because he's like he's like cowboys in the room, all these yeah. fighters are in the room. I mean, can you imagine like sitting there and being like, I can't move? Yeah, that's fucking weird, man. So, so he's so he said eventually, I guess around the time the card started. He was able to get that movement back in his knee and leg, which wow. we're thankful for. You know, glad to see that he's okay. Yeah, he said it's an issue that's happened to him a couple times throughout his. I guess he's had. Um, he said both legs. He's had some sort of. I forget what he said now. Uh, some sort of repair. Meniscus, done. maybe meniscus issues or something. I forget what it was, but uh, because of that he said it, it's it's locked up on him a few times throughout his. Well, I guess last few years, but he said usually you just kind of you know shake get, it out, yeah, <laughs> shake it out, and you're yeah. good. 
said this time that didn't happen. But he was about around the time of the card starting, he was good. And I just the imagine like if this were like twenty five years ago, <laughs> like the UFC might just be like, All right, you You're guys back are on. still fighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh obviously with the commission and them notifying yeah. them that the fight wasn't taking place, probably not gonna happen. Um Dana did say in his post fight presser that he will not rebook this fight. Yeah. Uh, that's just, he just feels like it's like, probably what's the point? Uh, they gave Cowboy the option to have a fight in July, but Cowboy said he wasn't wanting to make that cut again, which understandably, yeah, it's already a true. brutal cut for him. So they, you, we likely won't see Cowboy back until like the fall um, at some point. And then for Lozon, I don't know if we'll ever see him back i mean he just you know he he was already hadn't fought since 2019 so yeah kind of a damper for for that especially because cowboy in texas you know you get, it's just unfortunate yeah but what we did get rose to the co-main event spot was kevin holland and tim means dom and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh call big mouth because kevin holland two and oh as a welterweight he gets the second round submission of Tim Means, Dirty Bird himself at a minute 28 seconds in. <clears throat> Your thoughts on Kevin Holland at welterweight, Dominic? Is he a real threat? Oh, I, I think he's really good, man. This is his weight class. We wanted it for so long, and we've gotten to cover Kevin Holland so much on this podcast because he fought five <laughs> times in 2020. So That's we've true. talked about him so much and how we have been interested in 170, and he has made it look so good thus far. Not necessarily perfect. I mean, he's getting hit a little bit. You know, he's making them fun. But at the mm. end of the day, he's really putting statements on the way that he has won against Cowboy Oliveira and now uh, Tim Means the Dirty Bird. So I think he needs to get a top 15 opponent next. No more, um, you know, playing around. No more tit for tat. Put him into the top 15. Honestly, I don't even care who it's a- Actually, <laughs> I do well, care you, who it's a- Did you hear his call out? I heard he wants to fight Sean Brady, which is a sick fight. Is that what you're uh, pointing Yeah, that's, what he, that's okay. what he said. Yeah, that would be a sick fight, but I think Sean Brady deserves to fight up. I think he's undefeated yeah. all the way up there at number nine. It's fair. Um, yeah. Kevin Holland, Michelle Pajara, thank you very much. That's the fight to make. That's a funny one, Dom. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a good meme fight right there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Kevin Holland looked great. Uh, no surprise. Tim Means looked good, actually. Tim Means did look good. It's like, you know, it's it's... It's interesting that Kevin Holland, I think his potential is still, you know, sky high. Yeah. And people, some people might look at like his first two fights here and they might kind of poke holes and like, well, Tim Means had some success. Cowboy Oliveira had some success. But both those guys are high action fighters, man. They really go for it. And uh, for Kevin Holland just to kind of not even really weather any storm, but he just sort of. He played with them a little bit in the sense of like, you know, he played their game. He went tip for tap for a while, but the hand speed, Dom, I mean, he had some of the fastest hands. in. He is very powerful too, man. Yeah. I mean, susceptibly so a lot of that being because of the reach. I mean, Mm -hmm. that reach advantage definitely worked him a lot of favors here. Even though Kevin Holland's big problem is he doesn't really fight long. Like he actually gets into a pocket quite normally but at times here he showed a little bit more willingness to play the reach uh advantage and it worked to his favor to get that submission win you know you you, you do most of your work on the feet but then you get a nice uh was it an anaconda choke 
I feel like it looked Bravos, like a Dars, but yeah. they call them Bravos now. I thought yeah, they were okay. Darses, but yeah. So um, he got that choke on. Like, I mean, that's you get the whole package right there, right? I think people so, forget how good he is on the ground, actually. Well, he's, he's a jiu-jitsu black belt, so <laughs> I mean – Everybody looks at his ground game as being weak, but that's more of the wrestling. Like, it's different. Yeah. His submissions are very strong. The wrestling's been the issue for him. Right. I'd like to think he's made some improvements. Is it enough to to where I'm welcoming a Sean Brady fight next? Maybe not. Yeah. I think that's... uh, I do kind of agree with you that Sean Brady, I kind of want to see him take on, like, a Wonder Boy or somebody like that. Yeah. I can't deny though that it's a bit a sick fight for oh, absolutely. On Sean Brady. Yeah, uh, the Michelle Pajara fight's interesting. Michelle Pajara just against anybody is so interesting because he's he's like <laughs> yeah. twenty eight years old, but he looks fifty two. Yeah, yeah. But he's also like he's got like the body of the Liver King. Like the dude's fucking massive. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, but. Kevin Allen, great stuff. I mean, he's he's a superhero. He saved the third. Yeah. Uh, what what was the story behind this? Did you read any? The night this? before the fight, Friday night after weigh-ins, him and his team went out to get waters and stuff from a, like a liquor store that was close to the area, and there was a guy running down the street that had stolen perfume from I guess a store or something, and people were like, "Hey, come back here!" Blah blah blah. Kevin Holland saw that happening, sprinted and <laughs> tackled the thief and got the perfume back from the guy. That he is just like he's just there. He's in the right place at the right time. But the thing is with Kevin Holland, he's not afraid to go fucking do something about it, man. He is really like a miraculous person. All the stuff you hear about him doing, this is like the fourth or fifth time this year. <laughs> and it's only June that he's had something like this go on. It's it's crazy, man. He's literally Batman. Yes. It's crazy. It, it it just kind of cracks me up that it's Kevin Holland of all people, like you know the guy who is one of the most active fighters in the whole company, and yet, meanwhile at the same time he's taking on fights in the street too. Yeah, it's protecting wild, the uh, streets. You know, we, we've so. never really seen anything like this in the UFC before. Ever. <laughs> no. no, and he's still committed, Dom. He's still trying to fight uh, five times this year. That means he'd have to fight three more times. Yeah, I think he uh, said he wanted August or September and then one or two more after that or something. Yeah. I mean, so it's he's, crazy. he's trying to shoot for five this year. Another contender for comeback fighter of the year, Kevin Holland, 2-0 and for this year. Yeah, he had, a a rough pretty, he had a rough 2021. Yeah. So 2-0 uh, and this year, though, I think that's a pretty good start. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, more on this card to come, but let's move over to the PFL, Dominic. They had a card on Friday. Week four, light heavyweights and the lightweights. We got our playoff standings mostly finalized outside of one Anthony Pettis, who Dominic begrudgingly has to recognize is not on the same card as the rest of his division. Love that. So here are the playoff standings as it sits now. We'll just go ahead and go through who's in the playoffs for each division. We'll start with uh, light heavyweight, Robert Wilkinson. So I guess it's going to be 1v4. So Robert Wilkinson going to take on Dylan Monte. Mm. And then you have Omariok Madoff taking on Antonio Carlos I like Jr. that a lot. I mean, Dominic, tell me, that, is that, isn't that the fight right there that's probably going to determine the winner of the whole season? I mean, The way it looks Robert right Wilkinson's now. looked real good. But uh, Madoff, Carlos Jr., two guys that oh, are UFC man. veterans that 
have a lot of high-level experience. And Antonio Carlos Jr., of course, the champion from last season. Yeah. That's a great fight for whenever that does take place. Oh, I love that fight so much. And meanwhile, for lightweights, we've had a lot less finishes. So the score totals have been kind of – it kind of adds a little bit of intrigue, though, because it means, like, you get one big finish and you might be the yeah. number one seed. Yeah. Anthony Pettis is still listed as the one seed with his first-round finish in his uh, first fight. So he that shows you the kind of difference in score totals because I think Robert Wilkinson had 11 points in yeah. his number one. And Akhmadov had 11 points as well. Number two, Olivier Aubin-Mercier. Technically, they're tied for first, but I believe Anthony Pettis has that one seed locked up no matter what. Because it was what. a finish, yeah. I, I believe so. Um, even if he loses in his next bout with Stevie Ray, I believe he still holds on to the one seed. Yeah. So OAM, the Canadian gangster at number two, number three, our main event winner, Alexander Martinez, um, him and Clay Collard had a hell of a fight. We'll talk about that in a second, but, uh, it was a good main event. Alexander Martinez edges it out. That means he gets the three spot and number four right now, Dominic is last season's winner, Rosh Manfio. Had a disappointing loss uh, in in uh, to OAM. Yeah, and um, he does sit at number four. Now there is one caveat to this: this is not finalized because Stevie Ray still has a chance, Dom, to get into the playoffs. Can add a lot of intrigue to his bout with Anthony Pettis coming up soon. If Stevie Ray gets a finish, it's that's going to be at some point in round three. There's going to be some sort of time, but basically, I'm going to word it right here that he must finish Anthony Pettis by the end of round two to overtake Manfio. I know that's not technically the case. I believe it's somewhere in round three. But adds a lot of stakes to that fight Very uh, for, much. for Stevie Ray, who actually lost his first uh, round matchup. So that's, this is big for him. Yeah, yeah. So that's where we sit. But Dominic will talk about a little bit about the fights that took place. Let's start with the main event. Alexander Martinez, he edges out Clay Collard. Clay Collard, though, I mean, never in an adult never, fight. Never. One of the, despite the fact that he's, his record in the PFL is probably nothing too special because it seems like he kind of wins one, loses one yeah. um, a lot. But he probably one of the bigger stars in the PFL. Like, he's one of the bigger attractions to watching their cards. Your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, um, it was a hell of a fight. I mean, two main events for a reason when you talk about him being kind of one of their stars right now. He's getting these uh, Showtime spots, and yeah, it was it was a very good fight. It was a very razor-close fight. Super, just like his output and volume is insane. He just does not stop. But Martinez, to be fair, was weathering storms. Granted, he was getting hurt. I felt like the biggest moments went to Collard outside of in that second round. Uh, Martinez locked in a deep, rear naked choke that a lot of other people probably would have tapped to or went to sleep to, but Collard somehow fights through it and then smiles right afterwards to his corner. It was crazy. Uh, So round two was the closest. I mean, round three was close too, but in terms of like round two, Collard dropped Martinez and could have had a finish. Martinez put Collard in a choke and could have had a finish. So that was just like the craziest round, but I felt it was a two to one, maybe even still three Oh for Clay Collard on my personal scorecard. So it is unfortunate because there was a lot of kind of controversy in this. And even for Martinez, it's unfortunate that a lot of people don't think they feel he deserves to be in there, which is always tough to deal with after he was in such a great fight too. But yeah, I mean, I felt, after I watched it, that Collard should have gotten his hand raised. Yeah, so, I mean, 
are we going to say he got screwed here? I mean, he just got screwed. In a sense, he did. Whether or not you feel like we're not calling the fight a robbery. Because, again, we, you, you lose sight of uh, yeah. what that word really means when you use it too much. But I think to say he got screwed is pretty clear because now he doesn't get the fight in the playoffs. Yeah, that part. Doesn't doesn't doesn't, doesn't have a chance to compete for a championship. And that I think that means if he's still under contract with the PFL, he's on the shelf until like a year from now. Yeah, which is just awful. And they'll probably just use him as like an alternate, basically, if someone misses yeah. way. And it's just like, man, come on. Come yeah, on. that's the only downer to kind of the, the PFL's format is just that like, that's why I kind of would like to see a few more cards scattered about. Yeah. At, you could have your season, but then just have a few like, keep them, keep people active, you know? Yeah. Because like, or are you going to put collard on like a prelims? You know what or I mean. If, or if you don't have the the financial ability or don't have the want to do more cards, at least give your fighters the freedom to kind of compete elsewhere in the yeah. off season. You know True. what I mean. True. Um, easier said than done, I'm sure. But to me, this main event it was just a shame. Because look, it was a hard fought main event. Martinez fought his heart out. Him being more the natural grappler here, he did have an advantage there. He did get a he locked in a very good submission. Clay Collard looked great on the feet. Boxing looking crisp as usual. It ended up being a really fun fight. It's just a shame that the wrong guy got his hand raised. That's just what it comes down to. Yeah. I'm not gonna call it a robbery. But when you had so much at stake here, like literally if both guys made the playoffs, I wouldn't be complaining that much. Right. Because we've seen that uh when was it Ro- well, no, no, that was in the playoffs when Rory got screwed last season. Oh, with right? T-Bow, yeah. That was in the playoffs, right, when he got screwed? I think so, Because that's, yeah. that's what made it so annoying. <laughs> and then T-Bow didn't even fight in the finals, I don't yeah. think. <laughs> okay, well, regardless, um, it just, the fact that you don't get to, like, make up for this, like, now the judges just got it wrong, and because of that Clay Collard season's over. Yeah. When he was the hottest thing going in the PFL, like it's just a, such a limp dick ending to yeah. this season for him, and that's such a shame. It is. It really. If is. you're Bellator or the UFC, you better be hitting up Clay Collard's line immediately. Yeah, there's no nothing. This guy has proven what a commodity he can be, and the UFC made the mistake. They had this guy under contract and let him go without even giving him a fight. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So. One of these promotions, get off your ass and sign this guy because yes. he needs to be on some of these cards. Like, he should have been on UFC Austin. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I love the PFL, but again, like, this is the PFL at the end of the day is not the major leagues here. Let's be clear about that. So, bring him on up. Yeah, yeah. Um, any other fights on this card, Dom, that kind of, what, what what were the, the big fights that stood out to you? Anything in particular, anybody who, you know, either rose to the occasion to, to secure a big win to get into the playoffs, or maybe anybody who kind of failed to to do so and now will be sitting at home watching the rest of the way? How about Omari Akhmedov, man? A guy that was never even that bad in the UFC, but just kind of faltered in the fights that he needed to win the most. But he's come over here to Bellator, or Bellator to PFL. He's 2-0 in the season. He's going to be in the playoffs. I love so much that he's fighting Antonio Carlos Jr. because it is the same boat for him when he was in the UFC. So I think that's a stellar matchup. And Akhmedov came back 
from behind in that fight against Teodorus and, and put him to sleep with that uh, arm triangle choke in the second round. So that was just uh, kind of like this, the finish that stood out most to me and the fact that that got him to the point where he's going to fight Antonio uh, in the first round of the playoffs to get to the finals. I love that that's how the cards played out for those guys. Yeah, one thing that stuck out to me, the prelims were great. A lot of first-round finishes, but then the main card was just so dull. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and, you know, you had good fights on here. I mean, the main event was good. We already mentioned that. But, like, Rosh Manfio, Antonio Carlos, or not Antonio. Rosh Manfio, Olivier Alvin Mercier. Downer. Yeah, not a great Antonio fight. Carlos Jr., Brucey Soto. Downer. Yeah. Jeremy Stevens. Who did he? He fought uh, Miles Price. Miles Price. Thank you. That fight, not very, not that great. Weird. Not that great. Yeah. Uh, weird fight. Jeremy Stevens may have gotten gifted a decision. I didn't really score it, so I, I don't really yeah. swing one way. Or Tough another, weight cut it, for Jeremy too. Yeah, he had the he had the cut off the hair, cut off the beard, made him yeah. look older. By the way, he looked yeah. he was looking his age a little bit here. Uh, didn't fight. And he's probably the big disappointment here, right? Because he came in with a, a lot of expectations. He loses his first-round matchup with Clay Collar, but it's one of the fights of the year. Yeah. It is it is the fight of the year for PFL. Yes. And then you follow that up with this sort of lackluster fight where you get your hand raised, but ultimately it was just a decision victory, not nearly enough to secure you a spot in the playoffs and now his season's over and in my opinion that's why the pfl made that matchup too because i felt they were giving him miles price a guy that was like 11 and 8 or something going into it he's been finished a couple times like i think they wanted jeremy to get the finish and then to have a lackluster performance probably partially due to maybe a tough weight cut he's getting older he's done it for so many years man like at some point you just (laughs) but you know what he hasn't won and like how many years? So it's regardless of how bad the fight may have been, at least he's in the win column. Yeah, know? I just it, it, if he would have gotten a loss, I would have wondered because like same fight, but just the judges scored it for Miles. his opponent. I wonder if we're having a different conversation just because we could be because really a lot of people didn't score it for him from what I saw online. I, I didn't score the fight again, just to be clear, but. It seemed like a lot of people thought he was he lost his fight. So, but then again, now, like you said, kind of with Clay Collard, you know, Jeremy won the fight, but he's not in the playoffs. So now what? You brought in this big signing for the year. Yeah. The big signings for the PFL have not went well. Like they didn't yeah. go good last year. Anthony's could potentially pay for it this year and make the playoffs, but still, man, it's just like in the grand scheme, it's not went definitely how they wanted it to, at least. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, let's move on to the fight announcements, Dominic. Uh, we do have PFL action this week as well, so we'll have more to get into the heavyweights and I forget who else is with them. Uh, is it featherweights? Featherweights, yeah, yeah. Because they put Rory and Kayla on the same card, right? Right, so well, and then Pettis will fight this week too in the one-off, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay, great, great. So uh, we'll obviously get into that on Thursday. But as far as some fight announcements, we do have a couple of big ones. The Bantamweight division dominating the fight announcement talk Dude. this week. Bantamweight title, Dominic. This is, uh, we well, well hmm. where do we start here? <laughs> do we start on the fact that this is the fight the UFC is pushing for? Or do we start that there might be some road bumps potentially to stop this fight from happening? It looks like the, what the UFC want to do here is they want to put the Bantamweight title on the line. Aljamain Sterling taking on TJ Dillashaw. UFC 279, September 10th, no location yet, 
there has been a rumor that the October Abu Dhabi card could be moved up to September. Ah. But then also this might just very well be like a card in I don't know, Vegas like, or something or because then there's also the rumor that Nate Diaz is going to be on this card that I saw going around. So. Oh, alrighty then. Yeah, because apparently him and the UFC are working through their shit. Now we don't know what the matchup's going to be for Nate, but just getting that's somebody. What's going on. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, this is the title fight that the UFC want for their September 10th card. Now I was, I was, I put this on here with the with the intention of just talking about this like as if it's a fight already made. But Dominic Aljamain Sterling, our bantamweight champion, had some comments. About... Oh no, really? Oh, you didn't know this? I did not know this. Okay, so oh, you're, boy. Uh, you're in for a uh, for a. Fun this is genuine reaction here. Yeah, yeah. You're you're uh, maybe I should pull up the tweets just so I can pull them out uh, the receipts. Yeah, I want to I want to get this right because basically, once this fight, once people started passing around that this fight was uh, being rumored and whatnot. Um, he came out and said, well, this fight's not made yet. And let me see if I can, while I'm looking for it, I do want to just get your quick thoughts on this. A lot of people thought Jose Aldo should have been the one getting the, the title fight, but assuming that this fight does end up taking place and we'll get into that. Is this the right title fight in your opinion? Or do you feel like we're, you know, TJ maybe hasn't earned it or whatever no this is the fight this is absolutely the fight listen i know guys tj got suspended pds yada 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 well listen he was the bantamweight champion he never lost that belt and he didn't pop for peds in a bantamweight fight it was a flyweight fight he is one of the best bantamweights of all time he came back after a two-year layoff and beat Corey sanhagen in one of the best fights of the year um he absolutely deserves this fight uh, when you look at kind of what he's done in this division, him versus Aljo is also just such an incredible stylistic matchup. But then again, at 135, there are no bad stylistic matchups. So I love everything about this fight. No, we're going to talk about another Bantamweight fight after this. The whole Bantamweight top 10 is booked with fights right now, except for Peter Yan. This division is set on fire with not a match, but a fucking flamethrower. And it's awesome. I completely agree, and I'm having trouble finding the tweet, so I apologize. But I will still tell you the Spark Notes version here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, I I agree. Look, I get why people don't want TJ Dillashaw in this spot. There's a mixture of factors. One, they don't feel like he beat Corey Sanhagen. But in my opinion, that shouldn't matter because the judges scored it for him. That's what you go off of. Yeah. Like, it was so bizarre when Aldo got a title fight coming off a loss against Peter Young. Yeah, but no one says nothing about that. Yeah, a lot of people thought Aldo won the fight. Yeah. Um, Against Marlon Moraes, that kind of got him a title fight. You get what I'm saying? Like, I didn't like when the UFC did that. Like, it was just... Even if the judges score a fight terribly, you just go off of that. That's ultimately what matters. That's who, who scores the fight. That's who matters. So just go off that. So, okay, you you don't think that TJ won the fight convincingly, whatever, not enough to earn title fight. But also, the EPO, of course, you know, what he got stripped of the belt for in the first place. Uh, he was suspended two years. They A lot of people feel like he shouldn't be able to, in their words, like waltz back in, win a fight, and then he's all, already back in the title conversation. I disagree. He had a hard. He earned that fucking victory against Corey Sanhagen. Yeah. Like 
regardless if he should have won it, if it was, you know, if, if you scored it for him, he fought on a one leg, really, for a vast majority of that fight. He looked good yes. doing so. Very close fight against one of the top guys in the division. And as far as the steroid or EPO argument, I don't like that he did that, but he got his 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 punishment was the two years yeah. that he was suspended for. Yeah. Let's be clear that he didn't lose his title to anybody. He got it stripped. He he, he relinquished it. Yeah. So of course he should come back in. He wins against one of the top guys in the division. I think it's perfectly justifiable to give him the title fight. Yep. And now you if we want to argue does Aldo deserve it more? Does TJ deserve it? I I'm not I don't have the facts in front of me to kind of make that clarification, but let's not pretend like Aldo is getting screwed here when he was gifted a title fight not too yes. long ago uh against Peter Jan. So just a little note I wanted to put out there. But basically Dominic, why this fight may not be happening or or uh what it's worth uh once this was going around, Aljamain's like, well, not so fast. This fight is not signed. He believes that in order for this fight to get done, for this fight to get signed, he is in need of a, a bump in his pay. Uh-oh. He said going from competing for the belt to now as a champion, there is apparently no bump in his pay. Um, basically, he uh, he said he feels like he, he embraced being the villain in the build-up to his rematch with Peter Jan, he thought he did the company a solid and like kind of the way he promoted that fight. Uh, so he feels like being a company man should earn him um, a little bit more cheddar. Yeah, a little bit more cheddar. And basically, he doesn't feel like that's what he's got yet. So okay. in order to get the fight done, that's what he wants. Do you think these demands are maybe? Is he is he being a little unrealistic, or do you think that this is something that maybe he should be asking for? No, I mean I get it, man. Like everybody wants more money in the UFC, especially when Aljamain's been in the UFC a long time. He's got a lot of fights. Mm-hmm. He's always been against top competition. Now he's at the top of the mountain. He is the top dog in this bantamweight division, and he did it decisively in that fight with Peter Yan, by the way, yeah, too. Very so true. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm all for everybody getting more pay. And if he's calling for it, then he does deserve it. He's the champion. I would imagine most of the hiccups come cause he's already on a contract. So he's, that's why he would still be getting the same money. But I, again, I think so. Yeah. We're not on the back office as much as we wish we were and that we could see all the details. I wish I knew on. all these details cause yeah. we're business guys. We love yeah. this stuff, but yeah. that's, I think that's what makes us so, um, there's so much pause to even speak on it for us right. because we understand there's so much. maybe that yeah. how much can go into some of these contracts and business dealings and yeah it's not as easy as just well here's your bump you know, yeah here's not, a million dollars you know it's just not really how it works and I think most fans <laughs> get that but I also think most fans just I think they're I and maybe there is I think there's reason to uh you know, nobody's above uh what's the word uh criticism right so like i think the ufc had you can throw criticism their way for sure but i also think that um there's a reason why even with the criticism nothing's changing and nothing is really being people as long as people are willing to fight for a price they're gonna fight for that price and that's the price they're gonna get to fight yeah Yeah. so it's kind of like you can get mad at the ufc all you want but at the same time it's like 
the fighters are the one taking the fights. And you can argue that maybe, yeah, there's a lot there, right? You dig deep and it just yeah. it's really messy. And, Can of worms. Yeah. Now, I will say I, I agree. You know, Aljo, you're the champion. Nobody thought you were going to beat Peter Young that second time. You went out there. You did it. You did it decisively. All respect to him because he did take a lot of unfair shit in the lead up to that fight. And, uh, and I mean, during the fight, all, all of it, even after the fight, like he's taking some shit yeah. and it all stems from literally taking an illegal knee to the face. That wasn't his fault. <laughs> yeah. That's what's so crazy how this all started, but here he is. Um, I, I've again, anything he can negotiate for himself. I'm, I will happily support him doing so. I, lo- I want him to have that leverage, but I will say that I did kind of roll my eyes at the 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 whole like I thought I was being a company man and you know I was playing up being the villain and um I thought the company would kind of pay me back for doing that or whatever. I don't know if he's just saying that because now that's what he wants and that he's trying to like make his case or if he if he really believes that though. I mean what in the history of the UFC or of any company has told you that they're a corporation out of the goodness of their heart is going to um, make it worth your while because you promoted a fight a certain way for them or because you fought a fight a certain way for them. That's not the way this business works. It's not the way most businesses work. We can argue if it should be or shouldn't be or whatever, but I just I kind of rolled my eyes at that part because I was just like, really, like, yeah. you really thought you were gonna get like everything you wanted because you what accepted being a villain against Peter Yan and and you know, I just I don't know. I I think yeah. that part's a little bit kind of rolled my eyes at that. But again, whatever he can get, whatever he can leverage as the champion, all in support of. That's the game here. At the end of the day, you got to make money. You got to set yourself up for your future. It's prize fighting. Prize fighting, exactly. Yeah. Next one Corey Sanhagen, speaking of the devil. He's ranked number four now in the division. And we had kind of hoped that Corey Sanhagen might take a step back. He might kind of just just remove yourself from the immediate. Kind of the Calvin Cater situation. Remove yourself from like the immediate title picture. You know, you lost to the likes of Dillashaw, Jan, and. Uh, Sterling in the past, what, two years? Yeah. So even though we know Corey Sanhagen is that guy, it's just he's lost to three guys that in mostly competitive bouts. Yeah. But he gets his next matchup. It's against Song Yadong, number nine in the Bantamweight division. Yadong coming off of the biggest one of his career with the the knockout of Marlon Rice sent Marice into retirement yes this is looking to be the main event of september 17th a week after that potential title fight at ufc 279 um what kind of stakes are in this one for sanhagen and of course for yadong yeah so we wanted sanhagen to take the step back he is but in order to maintain relevancy you still have to win so that's what's on the table for him and for song yadong man i mean you're fighting a top five guy that a lot of people think is going to be a champ one day including myself so uh yeah for him to come in and potentially beat him uh i i it's a huge deal for song yadong a guy that is still so young he's kind of you know, leading the charge in that Asian market. Him and Zhang Wei Li have been the two most successful that we've seen thus far. 
Um, and to do it in this division, 135 pounds, man, if he goes in and beats Sanhagen, that's a huge deal. Puts him right in the talks for a title. I love that they're giving this a five-round shine, by the way. Again, we're, we're looking for storylines. We're looking for fights that make sense. Mm-hmm. This fight makes sense and checks boxes for a main event fight. Song Yidong's first, by the way, in the UFC yep. as well. His first main event, which I'm happy I think it's earned. And um, for Sanhagen, this would be his, like... Well, second few. was was D, was TJ the first main or no? He had the main event with Marlon. Yep. Um, so I think TJ his, was the main event. I think yep. it'd be his third, his third main event. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that Corey, who at one time was kind of the the wonder kid in a, in a way for this division, now he's sort of the veteran here as far as like experience, high level yep. experience in the UFC, and he's welcoming the youthful Song Yadong. Song, by the way, ESPN put him as their number one fighter under 25 years old. So, yeah, man. So young, so good at this point, but still developing. He's got powerful, powerful hands. He's He competes out of uh, Alpha Male, Team Alpha Male, yeah. who are known for their wrestle boxers. Now, we've mostly seen him do it on the feet, but I wonder if he's got good wrestling behind mm-hmm. all of that as well. So, um I think it's a very interesting matchup. It's the kind of matchup I wanted Corey to take on next. Not an easy fight by any means, but it kind of gets him out of the weaves of like the 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 true proven contenders right now and gives him a, a new challenge. Yeah, and um, that should be an amazing fight, September seventeenth. I, I really don't know how that one's going to go. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Let's get into the rest of UFC Austin. A lot of fights to talk about here. There was a lot of finishes. Every finish got a bonus. Yes, uh, applause so, for that, by the way. That's back-to-back cards that the UFC did that. So I'm Make it commonplace. Did. Every week, that's, make it commonplace. I would like that to be what you do for the future. Like Instead of having to choose between the bonuses, like just give every finish a bonus. And I know me being like, just throw out, give all the money to all the bonuses. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I'm just saying that I feel like the UFC's at a point where they could afford to, you know, and it incentivizes it more like yeah. because it, 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 when you're going into a card you know that a performance bonus is on the table but it's like all right what do, what do i have to do like how am i gonna ha- how hard am i gonna have to go but if you're giving it to everybody that gets a finish then it's like all right I, this is what i need to do this <laughs> is my feels, goal it I feels very finish. it feels very achievable you yes know, at that point. exactly and then uh, of course they did a fight of the night too so which is even better they did that yeah. and nine bonuses let that and money the fight flow. of the night went to the main event that went the distance so met yep. a lot of people getting extra money on this fight card yep. which is awesome joaquin buckley dom mm. gets the tko over albert durayev this happened at the very end of the second round it was a, a doctor stoppage i believe yeah uh, the 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 left eye of albert durayev looking you couldn't Oof. even pretend like you could see out of that thing. No, <laughs> That's no. how bad it was. There was no pretending. There was no covered the good eye and uh-uh. how many fingers am I holding up? It was just oh, you can't see. Okay, we're yeah, yeah. It was off. pitch black. No, no vision. Yeah. So Joaquin Buckley, a big win for him, Dominic. You're. I want to get you. I want you to kind of grade his performance, and then I think it's time we reevaluate. You know the potential of Joaquin Buckley. You know, what kind of ceiling do you think he truly has here in the UFC? Yeah, man. So I think his ceiling, like even more so now than after that amazing knockout of the year in 2020, is is higher than it's ever been. He's won three fights in a row, and I feel like he is just improving uh, with every fight and well-rounding rounding out his skill set. Um, it wasn't like a perfect performance last night against Durev. He was missing a lot with his strikes, 
at one point, I think he was like six of 45. He closed that gap in the second round. That's where he really started putting it all together. Um, but his takedown defense was great. When he did get taken down, he was able to get back up. Um, these guys were former training partners, so there was actually some beef that I didn't know about for this fight. So they had kind of been there and felt each other before. So you could tell that um, they had had like chemistry in the cage. And, um, you know, Buckley was able to get up and do what he had to do. Again, when he lands, it's just so powerful, so impactful. I really do think that he's just such an athletic specimen. Uh, too with the, his build and the what, what he can do inside of the cage he was still throwing spinning shit and jumping knees and kicks last night granted they weren't landing but the threats are there for those highlight reel finishes on top of you know regular combinations and whatnot that he does so i really do think like we have a top 15 competitor in joaquin buckley i don't necessarily know if he's going to be like a, a contender or a title holder but i really do think he can hold us all in that top 15 area and maybe even crack into the top 10 one day like i'm not ready to write him off he's young in his prime i like what i'm seeing yeah this was a definitely a, a big positive performance for him i'd probably grade him somewhere around like a like a a minus b plus mm-hmm. range yeah. and yeah the only knocks on him being just the 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 accuracy of the strikes was kind of uh hit or miss uh yeah. so to speak um I think this fight said a lot more about the limitations of Durayev, who I am a big fan of, but um, Durayev just struggling to get the takedowns, which says a lot about Joaquin Buckley, his takedown defense, and then once the takedowns were secured, he got right back up. Um, so a lot of positive takeaways for Buckley, but um, man, those strikes, some of those strikes were just so looping and like yeah. just... <laughs> Not finding homes for a lot of those, uh, like, he, he tried to throw some of those crazy kicks, like what knocked out Impa Kazaganai, but just whiffing on him pretty yeah. hard. Um, he's 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 a, he's lethal, man. He is. Like, when he's at his best, he he can knock your lights out. But also, man, he can, he can fight a pretty smart fight. I think the improvements in Buckley have been mentally. Yes. Um, I think I've seen that more with him than any sort of physical uh, improvements. He's already a physical freak. He's been a physical freak for a long time. But mentally, his fight IQ has seemed to improve a lot. He seems much more aware of uh, where the strengths and disadvantages lie for him in every given fight. And I I respect that. Like against Al Hassan, he was more willing to take that fight to the ground, not trying to get into a a dick size contest and throwing just bombs at each other. Cardio's um, looking better too. Cardio did look good. Uh, the, I, I think he would have held up pretty well in yep. round three if that had happened. Um, we're, but I do think that what's holding him back is kind of honestly, like as good as his power is, I would, his striking and as, as, as fun as of a striker as he can be, I do think it kind of holds him back a little bit. Like he just, but despite the improvements to the fight IQ, I'm not seeing those improvements in any sort of technical ability in the strikes. Like he's a big, he's kind of a, I'm going to compare him to a baseball player that we probably are familiar with because we're Reds fans. He's Adam Dunn. Mm. He is a, he will hit bombs. Yep. Home yep. run or strikeout, home run walk or strikeout. That's all Adam Dunn did. Yep. But he was awesome. He's great. Yes. Joaquin Buckley, a bit of the same. He he gets the knockout blow. He, I mean, he can fight a smart fight. He can take a walk. 
Yeah. But also, you're going to get a lot of strikeouts with them. That's kind yeah. of the way I, I look at it. Um, as far as the ceiling, top 15 might be a man. That's that's generous. Yeah. Because this is uh, he's this 170 pounds, right? Oh gosh. It's or 170 it or one. I think it's 185. I think, no, I think it is 185. Yeah, yeah. Um, not the deepest division, not but the it's... deepest for 185. If it was 170, I'd say no. But for 185, there, there's probably a chance. Like he could probably compete with like a you know the Brad Tavares types yeah. and the, yeah, or even you know uh, we mentioned Michelle Pajero, right? So yeah, uh, or Michelle Pajero's one. That's Walter. Wait, yeah, God, yeah. man, like. Michelle Pereira looks fucking huge. He just he's he's massive, yeah. Um, but yeah, like a Brad Tavares type, I think he could compete with a guy like that, and that's yeah. in the top fifteen. But I don't, I don't think he's like a. I think top fifteen would be the best ceiling for him. I don't yeah. see him. I don't see much higher than that. Yeah, but until proven it's otherwise, a, it's a big you know? bounce back considering. Yeah. We kind of wrote this guy off after what was an amazing 2020 knockout over Kazaganai, and he followed it up with another knockout that was pretty vicious against Jordan Wright. But then he started 2021 with a head kick knockout loss to Alessio De Chirico. Yeah. We kind of wrote him off, but he's bounced back, three straight wins. Uh, who's to say he doesn't keep surprising us, you know? Exactly. I mean, who's who's who knows? Maybe down the line, that whole video with him and Hamzat and Darren Till, maybe he eventually gets that fight. Comes to fruition. You never know. Yeah. Next up, Gregory Rodriguez and Julian Marquez. We looked at this fight as like a 50-50 fight, but RoboCop just went <laughs> rock'em, sock'em, robots, and put away Marquez. Three minutes, 18 seconds of round number one. Any regrets with the Marquez money line pick, Dom, or do you feel like with, there was... Did Marquez just get caught here, or was it really just is, – is Rodriguez just that much more well-developed at this point? I actually think Gregory looked really good. Like, yeah. um, I don't regret betting Marquez because I really did believe in him. I still think he's There's a good a lot fighter. of value. It's plus 150. Yeah, plus 150 know? for guys that go in there and bang. But Marquez didn't look like Marquez. I don't know. There's something that seemed a little bit off in that fight. I mean, don't get me wrong. He got hit early, and then from there on, Rodriguez just kept hitting him. But, yeah. like – before that, before it got like too gone and out of hand, when it would still, you know, could attain uh, a win, it was like, I don't know, it didn't look like that same Julian Marquez. He's fought from behind before, though, and had to come back and win fights. So, you know, I, I'm Rodriguez, another guy by, um, like Michelle Pajara, by the way, looks a bit old. He's only 30. <laughs> But another and genetically just gifted. He, he yeah. really looks like he kind of looks like Brazilian Skip Bayless, yeah, old yeah. Brazilian Skip Bayless, and yeah, Skip Bayless is like in really good shape, but he's like sixty-eight years old or whatever. So, yeah, uh, yeah that says something. But uh, really, man, like RoboCop, he, he not in, not in boring fights either. By the way, the no. Jung Young Park. Then he had the fight with um Petrosian, with, and now yeah, this Petrosian. one. I mean, holy shit, balls! This guy's in fun fights. Again, only thirty. Would love to see what he can do in the future. I'm not giving up on Julian. It would just it, it made me a little weary. Like it didn't look great for him. So I want to see how he can bounce back. Honestly, if he fights again this year. All right. Uh, opened up the main card. Adrian Yanez, mm, first mm. round TKO of Tony Kelly. Three minutes forty nine seconds in. Uh, the fans were really into this fight. There was a lot of heat and a build up. Yeah. Tony Kelly. A lot of people smoking on that Tony Kelly pack last night. Uh, Adrian Yanez, one of the fan favorites of the community, so you kind of had a classic yeah. uh, hero villain here going on. He gets it done in the first round. 
What's next for Adrian Yanez? Have to give this guy top fifteen, man. I mean, but, but he he took a step back. I mean, he yeah, beat Davy Grant, and then this he's is true. Tony Kelly. Kelly, I think, is pretty good, but I also think that like you're right. I mean, look at Davy Grant, how good yeah. he is, you know. That, so that, I, it did feel like I thought Yanez had kind of worked his way to top fifteen after Davy Grant. So yeah. Um, uh, it has to be top 15 next. And it, it, dude, it's at 135. Like, this division is just, again, it's on fire. And this guy's going to enter in, likely, or fight a guy that's in that top 15. You know what? Noah, give your thoughts on this fight. I'm going to take a look back here at the back half of this top 15. Let me see here. You know what? Ooh. How about... Hmm, what do I want to do here? What do yeah, I want to do here? This is a very exciting podcast. Well, uh, dude, no. A lot of these guys at 135 <laughs> are full right now. I don't want to be that guy to say Rafael Sunsal because I think that's a little mean, but that's who's number 15 right now. I just wow. think he deserves it, man. Wow, Dom. You're really going to go there, huh? Well, listen. Jack Shore's fighting Ricky Simone, or I'd recommend both of those guys, so there's no one else. I well, can it's the top it's, 15. Dude, no, it's Rafael Sunsal or Frankie Edgar. Pick your poison. Which one do you want? <laughs> well, are any of these fights happening soon so we can, you know, he doesn't have to take a fight tomorrow. Well, let's see. Simone and Shores in July. The Munoz O'Malley's in July. We what if he takes about... this? Takes the loser of Simone Shore, or maybe Dominic. Like, if you don't do top fifteen, give him like a Timur Valiev. Ooh, yeah, just somebody right there. The top Please. fifteen thing. I'm not saying his opponent needs to be a top fifteen. What I'm saying is his next win should give him a number Get, next to his name. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's a good and, way. and, you know, like you just said, the matchups may not work out. I mean, a Sun Sal, if you're going to compete, you got to compete if you're going to stick around. But Yeah, true. But it was very mean of you to put those two together. Now, I know. For Adrian Yanez, uh, I, I will say the idea of him versus Sean O'Malley somewhere Ooh. down the line, that fight, they've, they've kind of, you know, they played into it a little bit, so... The idea of that fight in the future is just like a chef's kiss. Uh, I, I hope we work towards that at some point. Yes, please. One of my bigger surprises on the cards, the debuting Natalia Silva, mm. who I did have a little bit of interest in only because she came in here with five straight submission victories. Going up against Jasmine Jazudavicious, who I would say is a decent fighter. You know, she yeah. her debut, she looked good against Kay Hansen. She won on the contender series, got a contract there. So she came in with a little bit of, you know, something. Yeah. And Natalia Silva beat the brakes off of her oh, for man. three rounds. The, her striking didn't just look good. And it's like what you 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 see it very clearly in women's MMA, Dom. Like you know, we we watch a lot of women's fights, and you know, a lot of times it's a tip for tack because you know they they don't quite carry that one punch power. You know, sometimes, yeah. and you'll see the women striking, and like it'll be good, it'll be very technical, yeah. But um, it doesn't have quite the oomph behind it, right? Natalia Silva has a ton of oomph behind lots her strikes. Of yes, and when I and that's basically my way, my dumbass American way of saying. That she, I think, has a lot of potential. I She's love the result from her here. If you already come in with a heavy reliance on submissions, but you show that with your yes, striking, dude, yes, this add her to the list of one twenty five people. I am all in on Natalia Silva right now. I yeah. there is nobody else on this card who caught my eye like her. 
Which yeah. is kind of crazy because she didn't get a bonus. And this card was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. this card was so crazy with all the finishes on it and big moments. She was like probably one of my biggest standouts of the whole night. Oh, and I love that very much. 25 years old. She's won six or seven in a row. That was her debut against a tough opponent and made it look like levels above. She made it look like it was Jasmine's first time fighting yeah. professionally ever. I mean, and Silva hadn't fought Noah since December of 2019. Yeah, see, I didn't know that. I failed to see the notice that. And then to come out and do this in your UFC debut, she was a Jungle Fight champion. Listen, hey, I may have had like a Jungle Fight fade when I, I had Jasmine Dom on a faded. parlay. Dom, Dom was talking shit about Jungle Fight. <laughs> no more. No more. Na- Na- Natalia Silva on the radar, people. I, You know how much I love the women's flyweights. And now Noah's talking about the women's yeah. flyweights. <laughs> Woo-wee. I loved it. Yeah, that was that was great stuff. And uh, we followed that up, Dom, with uh, I didn't see this coming. I Ooh. didn't. I really didn't. And maybe this is the only way that Jeremiah Wells could have got it done. He puts Court McGee to sleep for what you said the second time in Court McGee's career, his long career. He's, he's had 32 had. fights. Yeah. Only the second time he has been knocked out. Jeremiah Wells put him out cold a minute 34 into the first round. Mm. Dominic, Jeremiah Wells is a Dude. dangerous man. If he can just improve on his cardio, mm-hmm. then this guy, I, I think you're talking real potential there too because he's another guy more probably comfortable with his wrestling and submissions. But Dominic, he carries so much power on the feet yeah. that – He's putting out Court McGee out cold. He's knocking out, um, I forget the guy's name now, the guy who, the only guy to beat Cole, or one of the only guys to beat Oh, Cole he knocked out Warley Alves. Warley yeah, Alves. Submitted Blood Diamond. And yeah. that was a huge debut, by the way. Not enough people talk. Warley Alves, very good. I mean, beat yes. Colby Covington back, yeah. you know, a long time ago, but um, knocked him out. Yeah. Now, the big knock on Jeremiah Wells is the cardio. He definitely fades uh, down the line, but man. He, I mean, it was only a minute 34, but three wins, three finishes. He had a Blood Diamond one. Like, blood. I don't know if Blood Diamond's really legit or not. But Court McGee and Warley Alves, those are impressive and wins to, to finish start their them? UFC career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm not going to start saying give him a top 15 next. But he's close. I definitely think he's close. <laughs> he has to be close. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the only way to put it. Ricardo Hamos got a first-round, first-minute KO of Danny Chavez with the spinning back elbow, Dom. I believe, did you, were you the one that put this on our Twitter? That I believe yeah. that makes uh, Ricardo Hamos gave him two of the UFC's... Five total spinning back elbows. Yeah, finishes in UFC history. So. And two have came this year. Shout out Molly McCann as well. I mean, holy yeah, shit. There you go. There you What's go. with the there spinning stuff this year yeah, in the UFC, spinning, man? Spinning back fist last week with uh, yeah, Wei Li. Look, so, man... Yeah, talk about Ricardo Hamas because I know you were pretty high on him coming in. Um, now on the way out, you it must be even higher now, dude. Like he's always been a good fighter, been in fun fights, but he's lost the big ones. And but like he's in his prime year still. This was up at featherweight. He's kind of dabbled with bantamweight a time or two before. Mm. He's big for featherweight. I thought he looked huge in the cage last night against Chavez. And I mean, obviously, there's not a ton of takeaways in terms of he got him out of there in a minute and twelve seconds, but. The fact that he's got multiple spinning attacks, he's an ace on the ground with his jiu-jitsu. Like, he goes in for the kill when he fights. I really like Hamos. I want to see what he can do. I, I do believe in his potential. I don't know how high he can climb, but I'm here to see, you know, be a part of that journey while we yeah, can see it. There so. you go. 
Now a guy, another guy. This is probably the bit. This Natalia is Silva, of the night. Natalia Silva was my biggest standout women wise, which I know yeah. there wasn't as many to choose from there. But I'm saying that distinction because for the men, Bill yeah. Halls was the biggest standout for me. Look, Darren Wynn has had an interesting UFC career. This puts him at two and three in the UFC, but that doesn't quite represent the matchup we got here because Phil Halls and Darren Wynn both come from backgrounds in really high-level wrestling. Yeah, um, true. Darren Wynn, of course, kind of the protege of Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier really had uh, really was a big reason for Darren Wynn to come to the UFC so early in his professional MMA career. Um, DC also... Did I say I said Daniel Cormier, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, DC also on commentary for this fight. So I thought he did a good job. I thought he called it down the middle. Um, you know, I know he gets a lot of criticism when he's uh, on commentary for like uh, Habib or not. I don't know if he's been on if he's been on there for Habib, aka fighters, Islam. Yeah, you know all those guys. They he tends to show a little bit of favoritism. But I don't think he really did here. I think he gave Phil Hall's a fair shake, and I don't see how you couldn't because Phil Hall's yeah. beat. Darren Wynn from pillar to post. You got to give credit to Darren Wynn for the heart, the chin he showed here. But Phil Hall's is striking. Oh, man. Looked amazing here. And yeah. now the big problem with Phil Hall's is still going to be, and it's going to be this way the rest of his career, the chin. His chin yeah. is his only falling point. He looked yeah. great against Chris Curtis for the first three minutes of that first round. Piecing yeah. him up, looking great on the feet. And, and then, then Chris Curtis catches him. Over. Yeah. Done. Knocked out cold. Yeah. But not the story here. Phil Halls does get it done. Round two, four minutes, 25 seconds in. I mean, he did it with everything. El- the the elbows, like, were, were oh, flawless. Man. The- I mean, Dominic, this, this was the biggest standout for me performance-wise. Him and Natalia Silva. I mean, your thoughts on Phil Halls? Yeah, th- this was one of the just cleanest in-and-out performances of the year. I mean, it reminded me of the Jake Matthews last week. Yeah, against Andre that's actually, that's a great comparison. Yeah. J- just perfect. No flaws. Um, he-, he got hit a little bit, but Darren Wynn was just kind of throwing because he was so out yeah. of it, you know what I mean? So, obviously, you're going to get clipped. So, his-, his chin held up for what it's worth in those big shots. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, the attacks with that, the way he was throwing the elbows, they weren't mm-hmm. just your normal, like, in a clinch elbow. He was at a striking distance and would step yeah. in with elbows over the top and everything. Uh, his jab was beautiful, by the way, too. He was able to fend off a couple takedowns. Um, Darren Wynn definitely should have tried to wrestle a lot more. I don't know if he just – I felt like once he got hurt, that kind of chalked the rest yeah. of the fight for him. But Phil Hall's – Phil Hall, sorry. I don't think he likes being called Phil. Well, it was a great <laughs> performance, performance of the night for me on this card full of standouts. It was awesome. Yeah, apparently Phil Hall is used to uh, – he was a former sparring partner or training partner with John Jones. Oh. And then Darren Wynn, of course, being the protege of Daniel Cormier. So it was kind of well, like – Well, did you the, see what happened in the cage last yeah, night? Yeah, so you did yeah. hear about this. So Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently after the fight, in the heat of the moment, Phil Hall's yeah. <laughs> begins kind of throwing some, some words at Daniel Cormier saying yeah. you hitched your ride on the wrong pony or something yeah. like that. And DC, DC did kind of berate him for it. Yeah. I don't know if you saw what, because I guess because then Phil Hall's kind of apologized. Phil Hall's a very polite guy, by the he way. He is. So, he really is. So he like kind of out of character, kind of goes yeah. after DC. He said he felt like DC was maybe showing some favoritism during fight week, and then DC kind of was like, 
Now, why do you think I'd do that? He's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't make fights. I don't pick fights. Well, he literally said, look what just happened. Why do you think I'd want that? Because Phil Hall said, you wanted this fight for, like, Darren Wynn. And then this happened, and DC literally was like, dude, look what just happened. I don't want that to happen to any of my guys. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. do this. Be- show respect. He yeah. did kind of put it Phil in his cra- place. <laughs> it did kind of know? crack me up, though. It kind of reminded me of, like, an old man. Like, yes. Uh, like, yeah. I feel like I had this conversation with, like, someone in my neighborhood, like an old-timer in my neighborhood, when yeah. I, like... Maybe rode my bike through their yard. Through his yard. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like he came out and was like, "Listen, you son of a gun!" Like <laughs> that's what Daniel Cormier was doing out yeah. there. That, I don't know why it just made me laugh, but uh, yeah. kind of a small footnote, I guess, on this card that that took place. But it, once the post fight interview took place, it was it cool. like all was cool. Yeah. You know, it really was a heat of the moment thing. You could tell. You yeah, because Phil Walls is just so because <laughs> he like completely doubled down or uh, with reverted back and was yeah. like apologizing for yeah. it dc was still kind of letting him have it a little bit but yeah yeah all's well ends well uh, let's move on to the below average bet slip dom we let's have some positive this. news people believe it or not don't let the joes get hot that's i hope I'm that's say. the case man i hope that stays don't let us get hot that's all i'm gonna say dom because we had a big bounce back we went positive 3.35 units uh, don't pay attention to that 2022 standing. That must just be a typo. Especially <laughs> plus mean, 11. <laughs> but Dominic, the big takeaway here, five and one on parlays. Woo! Can we, someone comment down below. Who's, give Joe's, some... who's Joe's are these? Yeah, man. I'm going to keep this approach from here on out. I'm just yeah, going to keep we, doing two look, first. We both, we both retooled our strategy again. And we, we both did. found a lot we of did. success. I was really hitting if I if I was betting under if I was betting minus money, I was making sure that my return was a unit total. So I was putting a yeah. lot of heavy I was putting a lot of heavy weight on the favorites that I bet on. But then for the parlays, putting those one units down and Dominic, you were doing that. We all did not a single three leg parlay on here. Yeah. I mean We're learning. Dare I say. Six months in. What's still, funny is our two bit or no, not two of our three biggest unit sized bets failed. The two units on Marquez. That's true. And one point six five on the Hamos Chavez. Which is unfortunate, of course. It is unfortunate, but I think that just shows how well we really did when uh you take all the factors into place there. I'm, yeah. I'm very happy. I'm proud of us. Yeah, I am, man. This this was a week that we needed. We needed so much for the confidence. We were in a we were in a dark place, guys. We were we were in a dark place, and to come out here, especially like to have success in parlays, money line parlays, and I call them variety parlays when you kind of dabble with kind of what you're putting in them yeah. to have success. Noah went two and zero on those, man. So Noah had a huge week. I had a good week. We bounced back. Plus three point three five is very solid. We just not we have to. Continue to put it yeah. together consistently. By the end of the year, I think we've got good things to recap on, Noah. Yep, I completely agree, Dom. And now um, we're going to move on to our final segment in the show. Of course, it's closing statements. Now, join us on Thursday where we will have uh, a preview for three different cards this weekend. UFC, of course, will be back at the Apex, but a very important main event. Sorry, oh, you, yeah. How do you... Pre- Armand Saryukian, how do you pronounce Sar- that? Saryukian, Saryukian. Saryukian, yeah, Saryukian. Uh, it's kind of how I say it. Versus yeah. Matos Gamrot. 
Love that um, fight. That's a great main event. We've already talked about that previously. You guys have showed us some love, by the way, on YouTube for that discussion, by the I way. Know. So shout I out was, to you I guys happy, for that. I was happy yeah. to see a lot of people are behind that. But yeah. uh, we'll be talking about that. Bellator 282, Gegard Musasi defending his title against Johnny Evelyn. Yep. And then the PFL uh, week five, we got the heavyweights and the featherweights. And Anthony week. Pettis. <laughs> and Anthony Pettis versus yeah. Stevie Ray. So a lot to go over this week, and I'm sure we'll have some fighting outs with some news and everything in between. But Dominic, closing statements, this is the point of the show where we can talk about anything and everything, uh, MMA-related, not MMA-related, and it just sends us off into the week. So any closing statements for this Father's Day edition? Mm. Nothing crazy. I think I'll just double down on the Father's Day discussion. For those of you with the father figures in your life, whether it be a dad, a grandpa, an uncle, whatever the case, love on them. Show them some love. Show them you appreciate them. Um, But, yeah, I mean, enjoy the week, guys. We've got a lot coming on Thursday. Of course, as always, for your guys' support, we continue to grow. We continue to evolve and build this community. That's what I got. Some love to top off the episode. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not even going to follow that up because I got nothing. So, <laughs> I love that. Uh, I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We're the Blue Average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Thursday.